Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Here's a little riddle. A counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, a engineer, all walk into a hardware store. How many people are in there? Well, it'd just be one. It'd be Glenn Pickering. Same guy. So he is uh, joining me today. We're going to talk about a difficult topic. Uh, I think it's interesting. We talked about uh, David Miles in the last half hour, and he was sharing his vulnerability over the loss of his brother. And two weeks ago, when Glenn was preparing to be with me today, he was talking about walking through grief. And I know, Glenn, you've got a lot of story to tell today, so I'm looking forward to getting to it. Well, thanks for having me. It's always good to be here. So let's talk about your personal grief and what has come into your life in the last couple of days. Yeah, that's really been sort of shocking. I, um, You know, like you said, I started getting ready for this a couple of weeks ago, and then on Saturday I found out that my dearest friend, who had been great, was... Uh, gone into hospice and has just a little while left to live. Just shocking. Mm. So, yeah, so this topic has suddenly taken on a very personal meaning for me. I always try and pick topics that are meaningful to me or that I've been talking a lot to my clients about the last month or so. Yeah. And this one has just been coming up a lot for clients. So I've been walking through grief with a lot of people. And then it's just so weird then that as I get prepared to talk today about grief, that that should be happening in my own life in that sort of powerful way weird Mm -hmm. but yeah a godly thing i'm thinking yeah and for all of us it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when and we all have to be in the shoes that you're in right now uh, with the loss of your friend around the corner and um yeah so i would love for you to start helping us walk through some grief i know there's a uh there's two main stages that's the process isn't it yeah in my mind anyway some people talk about seven stages but I think it really boils down to two, really fundamentally. And the first one has to do with our mind, and the second one has to do with our spirit. So, you know, I'll talk about the first one first, about our mind, our brain. When something shocking happens, the loss of a person, of a job, of a home, or a, whatever that is, whatever loss it is that a person might be struggling with, the first stage is to just come to terms with, wow, that actually happened. Hmm. And it's not a temporary thing. They didn't just, you know, I mean, I'm never going to live in that house again or see that person again or have that job again or live in that place again. It's, and it takes, sometimes things are so shocking and they're so big. But I think our brain just can't really take it all in at one time. And, um, and so we kind of go through the process of really gradually getting our mind more and more around, wow, that really didn't happen. That really is over. This is really just done whatever done means in that particular case. And I think people talk about shock, which, you know, I'm still pretty much in myself. And I I get it. This is what we mean by shock. There are two things that are both true that a brain can't put together. So, you know, if you're playing golf with your best friend three days ago and you had a great time and you're talking about what you guys are going to do over Christmas break, and then you find out three days later that he passed away, See, your brain can't really make sense of that. It's like, I just saw him. He was doing really great. He seemed so happy. We're making these big plans, and suddenly, gone. Like, how, 
we're in shock because our brain literally can't put those two sentences together. It can't make sense of them. I... I always hear that, Glenn, when right. somebody passes and they go, right. what? I just had lunch with them three three months ago. Right, exactly. Yeah, Al- almost like because you had lunch with them three right. months ago, this couldn't have happened. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Because in our mind, they're doing great. They're perfectly healthy. They're really happy, just like the yeah. last time I saw them. And, um, and suddenly that's not true. And so there's that shock when we go through... Before we get to the point where it's like, okay, I really get it. I've come to terms with it. I accept it. I really get this has happened. That's really over. That's done. Whatever that is. There is that part at first where it's so shocking to us that we literally can't make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And um, based on that fact that we just can't put those two sentences together, like I say. And um, so we just need to understand. I was talking to my friend this morning and. He asked me how I'm doing, which is a pretty funny question for my friend to be asking me. And I said, well, I'm still kind of struggling with shock, but I'm starting to be sad. And I'm going to really, really miss you. Because he has been just a rock in my life. Yeah. And and I think he understood because he's sort of in the same stage. I mean, he's a little further along, but like a day or two. But, you know, he understood, too, that first it's just so shocking that we can't even hardly get to the point where we feel sad because our mind can't even believe that that's what's actually happening. And Glenn, I've seen that as well. Oh, when sure. there's a sudden yeah. loss in someone's life and you attend the funeral or the reveal and right. there's no tears because right. there's so much shock. Right. Right. It's still getting to the point where you can't even think, wow, that really happened. In fact, mm. I'm yeah. of the mind that that's part of why we have funerals. I mean, we want to celebrate the person who passed away, of course. But it's actually a chance for us all to get together, comfort each other, and think, wow, yes. that really did happen. That mm-hmm. life here that we're celebrating really is over. Or whatever it is that is shocking loss that happened to us. It's like we need to kind of get together with people around us who all think, yeah, this is hard. Because it helps to make it real for us. Mm-hmm. How do we come to terms with what, what's happened? Well, how do, we, how do we start to move through that? That's a really great question. I think... There are a couple of reasons why we don't. First, we just have that disbelief, like we can't believe it. And second, we don't want to. Because the truth is, when something like that happens, the truth is, this is so sad, it literally hurts. I was uh, just reading in Psalm 6, where it says, My bones are troubled, by which they mean my, my bones literally hurt. I mean pain in a way that even my bones hurt. And mm-hmm. I drench my couch with weeping. And I think, right, when we go through a hard time... Partly we first have to get past shock for our mind to get used to that thought. But partly we have to really let in this thing that is so sad we almost don't want to because it just hurts too bad. It's easier to sort of do disbelief or blow it off or not quite deal with it or get real busy or who knows what in order to not have to deal with the thought that, well, this is so sad it literally hurts. Mm. So what I see is, hmm, so we have to let ourselves be sad about that, which is not always easy. And what I see is, sometimes people say, Glenn, how can I tell if I'm not letting myself grieve? And one of the things I see that really gets in the way of grief is that we obsess about things. I was talking to a gal a while ago who said, whose husband had passed away, and she said, Glenn, I'm so worried about money. I'm always worried I'm not going to have enough money. I obsess all the time about if I'm going to have enough money, where's the money going to come from? What about the money? And I said, you know, you're saying that because it's a way to not let yourself be sad. And she was more than a little upset with me, I have to say. 
But then I said, who used to pay the bills in your family? And she started crying, of course. Because her husband would pay the bills. So every time she sat down to pay the bills, it was just a reminder that the person who would normally pay them isn't here. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost easier to obsess about the money, kind of get all wound up about that, instead of just saying, this is really sad. So I asked her every time before she sat down to pay the bills to do anything they had to do with that. Just say a little prayer for her husband and for herself that she would find a way to let God's strength and comfort be surrounding her while she paid those bills and to just acknowledge to God, this is hard. This is sad. I hardly know what to do with myself. I'm so sad. And I think it's just really, really, really important to just let ourselves think, yep, this is sad. So one of the things I often talk to my clients about is if you find yourself obsessing, just stop and think, okay, I just need to let myself be sad for a minute and just claim that I'm sad about this thing, whatever it is that's happening at that moment. And I think, and that obsessing can take a place, can look like just saying the same thought over and over again. It can look like blaming other people for what happened. It Mm -hmm. can look like being filled with guilt, like, oh, I should have done this or that, or why didn't I see that, or... There are all kinds of ways, but they're all just really a way to not just be with this. It's mm-hmm. really sad. Mm-hmm. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest, and we're talking today about walking through grief. Uh, Glenn, I, I think that when you are in that position, when yeah. you are so overwhelmed, um, certainly dealing with sadness is not one size fits all. Oh, no. So when you say it's time to go ahead and feel sad about that, okay, well, you might be sad about that uh, for a lot longer than the next person. Right, absolutely. And um, we'll talk about that more as the show goes on, of course. So that will look different for every single person. That is absolutely true. But Mm -hmm. the need to let myself stop and be sad is true no matter who we are. Yeah. All right, we're talking uh, with Dr. Glenn Pickering about walking through grief. I know you probably might have a question. Uh, in the course of this hour. So let me know what it is. You can text it to 877-933-2484 and we would love to get your question and I will put it uh, on the air. And you can, of course, remain anonymous. You can go learn more about Glenn at glennpickering.com. Is it drglennpickering.com? Thank you very much. It is. Is it Dr. Glenn Pickering? I think you did yep. some rearranging of the letters. So, yeah, <laughs> drglennpickering.com. Right. You can learn more about Glenn there. We'll take a break. Be right back. We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest today. We're talking about walking through grief, and Glenn is really good at 
reducing things down to very simple uh, themes and premises, and I always appreciate that. He sees a couple of uh, two main stages the, the, of the process. We talked about the mind. I also want to talk right. about the spirit, visioning what right. comes next, the new normal. Right. Yeah, the, the mind part is first just really letting our mind get around the fact like, wow, that really didn't happen. And that takes time. Uh, you know that my dad died when I was 19. And I could have been reading the newspaper like months later and I'd read this great article and I would think to myself, oh, this is so interesting. And dad will think, oh, crud. You know what I mean? I mean, and the more important mm-hmm. relationship is to you, of course, the longer that period takes to really get your mind around, wow, that's really over. That's really just done. Mm-hmm. Now, but once our mind does even start to kind of get there, and we don't have to be all the way there, we just have to be sort of in that process, then the second stage kicks in, which is about our spirit. Because our spirit thinks, okay, given that that's true, that that's over, or at least in the process of over, now what? And so often, I, um, people try and get ahead of that one. I was in a funeral once when a woman whose husband of many, many years had passed away, and afterwards this young person was talking to her, and he stammered and didn't know quite what to say, and so finally he says, so are you going to sell the house or what? <laughs> oh, golly. Yes, that question won't come up, but first we have to get our mind around, wow, right. that thing really happened. So. Yeah. Once our mind does get there, then we do have to start thinking, okay, what's the vision from here? And it's important to think that there will be one. I, um, yeah. So often, after my dad did pass away, people would ask me and my mom, well, are you kind of back to normal yet? And me and mom, my mom honestly never knew what to say to that question. And finally, we both read this great article, somebody whose wife had recently passed away. And he said, you know, the same thing. People keep asking, well, are you kind of back to normal yet? And he said, here's what I understand. The answer to that question is normal died and it's not coming back. I'm trying my best to create a new normal. Mm-hmm. And those powerful words still resonate in me all these years later. Yeah. So once our mind gets really, even begins to kind of get wrapped around the fact that, wow, that actually happened. This is real. Then our spirit kicks in and starts thinking, okay, now what? And we start to develop a bit of a vision for what comes next. And that, just like the getting mind around the sadness part also happens in a series of steps so i might hear a word or see a picture or have a thought or somebody might say something or an article might come across my desk there'll be all kinds of little teeny signs of what that new normal might look like i um i came home one day about six or eight weeks after my dad had passed away and i saw my mom painting their bedroom purple well lilac to be fair <laughs> <laughs> and i said Mom, what are you doing? Because, you know, she'd never lifted a paintbrush in her life. You know, because my dad always did. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I've always liked this color, but your dad didn't like it, so now I can paint the bedroom this color if I want. Mm-hmm. And it was just so clear to me. That was sort of step one for her of what does a new normal look like. Like, this mm-hmm. is hard. This is sad. What's my new normal look like? And that's what I mean about it coming to us in a whole series of teeny little steps. Well, I could paint the bedroom. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I sort of remember thinking, even back then, oh, good for you, like one step forward. Like there was a first sort of step I'd seen that was about creating a different or a new future. And it was just, I just knew even then that I was sort of seeing step one of the new normal. And that's how it is for all of us. And we need to remember this, that when Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight that in all things God works to bring about the good, we just have to know that that's really true. 
that even in our most difficult times, our saddest times, our grieving times, the times we literally cannot see how anything good could possibly come out of the thing that just happened. God is going to make something amazing come out of that experience. And it's never not true. So I say to people who are going through that time, and I say to all the listeners now, if you're grieving right now, it's important to honor that grief. It's important to be sad, not sort of fight that off. But it's mm-hmm. also important to know this. Your grief will not be the end of the story. It's where you are now in the story. But it's right. not going to be the end of the story. God is mm-hmm. going to find some amazing way to bring something out of this that's good or right or pure. And we need to, in our visioning, be open to the things God puts on our heart. But we have, we have to be open to receiving them. And so it's important that we keep our even while we're grieving, to keep our minds open and our spirit open to what God might have next for us, knowing that that will show up in lots of little weird little bits and pieces. You know, Glenn, you spoke truth there. And that is, despite that truth, it's really hard sometimes to think that God is going to work out something great oh, yeah. when you're in the middle of, of just crippling grief and a- sadness. Absolutely. And to people who are still just in the process of kind of getting their minds around, I can't believe this happened, I'm not going to talk to them about their vision that's premature. It's ahead of where they are. First, yeah. It's just really important to just think, yep, I get it. This is really mm-hmm. hard. And, you know, so many people when my dad passed away said all kinds of incredibly unhelpful cliches. Oh, Glenn, he's in a better place. I'm thinking, I'm not crying because I think he's in a bad place. I'm crying because I miss my dad. Like, I mean, right. stupid. But the people who said the things that were most helpful, as I would talk about missing my dad or some part of my life that I knew was never going to be the same, and they would say really intelligent things like, that's really hard. Yeah. My heart hurts for you. Yeah. Oh, Glenn, there's no shortage of awkward things that are said in these environments. man. No shortage. But the really simple, true things that come from your heart, those are incredibly helpful. So it's just important Mm -hmm. to remember, if you're grieving, it's important to let yourself grieve and not fight it off. Yeah. If somebody in your life is grieving, it's important to know they just need to know that you're with them, that you get it, that you know it's hard. Glenn, we've got a bunch of things coming in on the text line, so okay, maybe great. between now and our bottom-of-the-hour break, we can talk about this. Dr. Glenn okay. Pickering is my guest, and we're talking about walking through grief. Uh, here's a question. What are some okay. words of encouragement to help someone grieve the death of an unbeliever? Um, that puts a whole different layer to it, for sure. It sure does. sure does. But one of the things I've seen that's so interesting is i been with people as they've gone through the grief process, is I noticed that at the very end, they kind of go back and forth. I used to always think we're alive and then we died and, you know, we're on the other side. But what I've seen with a lot of people, and I think this is why there are so many um, deathbed conversion experiences, is that people sort of cross over and back and forth. And sometimes I've been with people even as they're talking to people on the other side. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> like, I don't even know what to make of that, but I see it happening. And it's interesting to me that even a lot of the people who we think are unbelievers actually get converted at the end by the presence of God's powerful love for them. And they might not even be able to tell us that they were converted, but um, but I've just seen it so often. So it's it's just interesting to me how God has a way of intervening even at the last minute in powerful ways that are like, wow, didn't mm-hmm. see that one coming. Mm-hmm. 
Another question. My yeah. wonderful Christian husband died suddenly at 62 six months mm-hmm. ago. I am devastated. I'm struggling with why God would allow this. It is so deeply hard and gut-wrenching. It stops me in my tracks. I, I'm, I'm so with you. I'm so oh. with you. Mm-hmm. When you lose somebody that you've been with for that long, they literally get woven into the fabric of your life. And when somebody is woven into the fabric of your life like that, every single thing you do all through the day reminds you of them. If you're playing without them, you'll remember that you played with them. If you're having lunch by yourself, you remember all the times you had lunch. I mean, when somebody's just woven into your life, you will literally miss them at almost everything you do, which is so incredibly, painfully difficult. And I think people don't always understand the depth of that pain. But that's part of why I quoted Psalm 6 at the beginning, where I said, my bones hurt. I think, right, there is a grief so deep that every part of us hurts. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say to the listener, yes, that's true. I totally get it. There's a time of grieving that's so painful, we literally can't see anything else. And I just want to say, there will be a time, one step at a time, very, very gradually, in little teeny baby steps, when you're going to start walking out of this. And I get there, you're not there yet, but it's okay to just know that you will be. Mm-hmm. Now the question, can the obsessive sadness become spiritual warfare? Um, it actually is spiritual warfare in a way because God wants me to be present. We're going to talk about that more in a few minutes, but okay. because God exists in the eternal right now, every spiritual practice is literally just about being present. So whether I'm reading my Bible, I'm in prayer time, I'm walking out in God's incredible creation, whatever it is that helps us to be really connected to God, what happens is we're doing the thing that helps us be in the present where God exists. So if I'm obsessing, see, I'm literally thinking about things that are not happening, and I'm not in the present, and I will not feel God's comforting presence to me, which will make me feel like I'm abandoned and alone which, of course, is what the enemy wants us to think. So it's not its not that it could lead to spiritual warfare. It's really important to understand that's literally what spiritual warfare looks like. Am I really going to believe that God is present and that I can be sad and I'm going to be okay? Or do I really believe I'm in this by myself? We really have to choose. And I don't mean that in a bad way or judgmental way. I'm just saying that choice comes in a real sharp focus right there. Mm-hmm. All right. After the break, we're going to continue our talk with Dr. Glenn Pickering, walking through grief, and we're going to start with two notes of comfort when we come back, and I think we're all ready for some additional <laughs> comfort, because right. this is a difficult topic, and it's challenging, and uh, suffering people are always looking for comfort, so I'll, oh, yeah. I'll look forward to that when we come back. Great. And if you want to learn more about Glenn, go to drglennpickering.com. That's Glenn with two N's. He has a lovely offer about halfway down the front page of his website where you can arrange a free 20-minute phone conversation with him, which is a lovely offer. You can get a lot from Glenn in 20 minutes. There's no strings attached. All you have to do is uh, arrange a time to be on the phone with him, and you'll learn a lot. That's at drglennpickering.com. Thank you for uh, spending time with me today. I know I've got some listeners um, that are sad today. Um, Thank you for your vulnerability and I'm so deeply sorry for the woman who recently lost her husband. That just breaks my heart. And everybody else who's grieving today and sad. So we're going to continue walking through grief. We'll take a break. Be right back.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. We have not shied away from difficult topics today. Uh, Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking about walking through grief, and this is obviously a topic and a subject that's uh, for everybody, because we will all do that. If we haven't done it, there's lots more ahead. And Glenn, I want to start with a couple of notes of comfort. Right. Yeah, there's actually several things I want to say to give people hope, but I want to start here with two very specific words of comfort. One, people often say to me, Glenn, I'm so tired. I start off my day with 12 things I want to get done, and I only get one or two of them done. And they're kind of judgmental about themselves or harsh with themselves. Like, I'm, why aren't I getting more done? And I think if we really understand we have these two powerful things happening, our mind is getting used to the fact that this amazing, awful event happened. Our spirit's trying to figure out what our next step is. About 70 or 80% of our mind and our energy is really working on those two things. And so the amount of energy that we have left over to deal with the rest of the life is really limited. And so when people say, well, I don't get a lot done, I want to say it's really important that you understand this. It's okay to let that be okay. Instead of judging yourself, I think, well, it should be different. It's important to understand. No, it's not going to be different. This will take a while. There's a time right now you're working on such big stuff, getting used to the thought, coming to terms with it, figuring out what to do next. I mean, these are really, really big questions that your brain and your spirit are working really hard on. And so you're going to have about 20% of your usual energy left to deal with the rest of the world while you're working on those things way deep inside of you. And it's just important to know, yes, you're not going to get as much done, and that's okay. It's just important to understand that's okay. doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. doesn't mean you're somehow not performing up to expectations. Some people are mm-hmm. so harsh with themselves. It's just important to understand, yes, that's true, and it will be for a little while. And it just let it be okay that that's true. So if you're a person who feels like, Glenn, I'm not getting a lot done right now, I just want you to think, yeah, I bet that's true. And it's just really important to think, yep, and that's okay, because big parts of me are working on really, really, really big questions, and that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. So as a second thought, then, because that's true, because we have these really big things going on inside of us, the rest, what the rest of us call the real world seems a little bit irrelevant. Remember, there's a gal whose husband had passed away, and I, somebody was asking her in my presence, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, like, have you had lunch yet? And she had sort of a faraway look on her face and said, no, I, I guess not. Like, just even just eating, cleaning your house, taking care of the dog, all the things that you just normally do in part of everyday life just mm-hmm. seems sort of irrelevant. Not bad, just irrelevant. And I want to say to people who are going through that grief time where everything outside of you seems kind of irrelevant, I want to say this reassuring word. Sometimes people say, oh, you must be depressed. It's important to know that's not depression. When I'm dealing with those two really, really big questions, well, how do we come to terms with this loss and what's next for me? Let's be honest. Compared to those big questions, everything else kind of is irrelevant. <laughs> Mow the lawn or don't, paint the house or don't, vacuum the carpet. I mean, it's like those things just seem so minute compared to the big things that are happening inside of us. 
that they do seem sort of irrelevant. And again, it's not a sign you're depressed, not a sign you're doing it wrong, not a sign that somehow there's something wrong with you. It's just important to understand, while you're wrestling much of the time with those two really, really big questions, the rest of daily life will seem a little, not bad, just kind of beside the point. And so it's important to know if that's happening to you, to not feel bad about it, or not think there's something wrong with you, or not think that you're depressed. I think it's just that the stuff you're dealing with is so big that everything else seems kind of little in comparison. And let's be honest, everything else is kind of little in comparison. So it's just true. It's not a bad thing. It's just true. Mm-hmm. All right, Glenn. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can learn more about him at drglennpickering.com. How about in our pain, Glenn? Uh, we're maybe not seeing those who care. Yeah. I, one of the cautions I give to people who are struggling is to understand this. We can be so overwhelmed by the pain that that's kind of the only thing that we're aware of. And it can lead to us feeling really, really alone. It says in Psalm 10, it starts off, Why, O oh Lord, are you so far away? Why do you hide yourself from me in times of trouble? And it's not, of course, that God hides himself from us. It's that we can be so consumed in the pain or the confusion or the not knowing what to happen next that we literally don't see the way that God and other people are caring for us. I was going through a time a long time ago when so many, so many hard things were happening at one time. I was just on my knees crying like, God, where are you? I just felt so alone. And I heard this great radio preacher later that same day, which that's an interesting story all by itself. And he said, you know, if any of you are grieving and you're feeling really alone, he said, I want you to hear these words as clearly as you can. You're not alone. God is with you, strengthening you, walking with you. Tons of people care for you, smile when they see you, ask how they can help, pray for you. He said, so I'm going to ask you, if you're going through this pain and you're feeling alone, he said, I'm going to ask you to carry around a journal and just write down every sign that somebody cared for you, thought about you, was looking out for you, wanted to help you, was doing good for you. Every time you could see that God was had a hand in what was happening around you, he said, just so you can start to pay attention. And he was so clear. He said, I'm not trying to ask you to deny your grief. That's real. But I'm also asking you to notice while you're grieving that God and all the people in your life still care for you, still want good for you, are still reaching out for you, still smile when they see you. Just notice that that's actually happening. And um, I'm not much of a writing things down in a journal kind of guy, but I did start keeping a mental journal, and it was really, really interesting. I mean, at least 20 times a day, something happened that just really showed me that God was with me, that somebody cared for me, that I mattered to people, that I made a difference. And it's not that it made the pain less, it made me know that I was not alone in that pain and that aloneness, honestly, is worse almost than all the pain by itself put together. So it's just so important if you're walking through grief to just really notice all the ways which people are caring for you. Jesus on the cross, he quotes the beginning of Psalm 22, of course, which is, you know, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Because when we're going through a pain that deep, honestly, it can't really feel like we're alone because we're just so aware of the pain. But, you know, Jesus was Jewish, and you know all of his Jewish listeners had memorized the Old Testament, and they would know how that psalm ended. And that psalm ends with a song of praise where it says, He has not hidden his face from me. 
So it's important to know, even at those times when it feels like it, and let's be honest, sometimes it does. Sometimes we feel like we're walking that path all by ourselves. To just notice how much God is really with us, how much the people in our life are caring for us, and to just literally just pay attention to that. Not in an obsessive way, just in a noticing sort of way. So I just want to ask people to just notice all the ways that God and people are trying to care for you. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. When yeah. your pain is screaming so loudly, know, you I might know. have a hard time right. getting to that point. So Honestly. that's where yep. people need to come along and pray for their dear loved ones that oh, yeah. are not aware of how much we're caring and loving on people who are in such intense grief. Yep. And so the second way, when we go through that time of being comforted, it's really important to let people be of help to us. And here's what I mean. And I was a pastor before as a psychologist, so I presided over my fair share of funerals. And I got in the habit of asking people if I would meet with them like a day or two before the funeral. I would say, I want you to write down a dozen or half a dozen ways in which people could be of help to you, very specific ways. And he sent me to take me to the doctor on Tuesday. And he sent me to spend some time with me on the weekend because that gets when I get lonely. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to the funeral. There's going to be a receiving line. So many people are going to say to you, if there's any way I can help, and you're going to be so overwhelmed with grief, you're going to nod your head and say thanks, but nothing's ever going to come of that. So here are all these people in your life who literally want to help, who are literally asking, how can I help you? And it's really important they've given that some thought so that you can tell them, I need somebody to take me to the doctor on Tuesday. I need somebody to sit with me for part of the weekend. I need somebody to call me once in a while because that makes me know that I'm not by myself. So because people want to help. See, we don't have to make them want to help. They want with their whole heart to help. They just need to know how they can help. And so it's not my job if I'm grieving to make anybody help me or want to help me. It's just my job to know people are on my team. I'm not alone. They do want to help. And it's just my job to let them know how they can help. Mm -hmm. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. And Glenn, as we talk about walking through grief, maybe you would uh, be willing to talk about the two fears that can leave us feeling stuck. Absolutely. So you want to start that now or you want to come back to it after break? No, let's start now. Great. I'm I'm game. Okay, so sometimes people feel like, well, I've been grieving, but I'm just stuck there. And and I get that. It can happen. So that's a real thing. And, you know, I've been talking about letting ourselves be sad is the first step of the grieving process. And there are two reasons why we tend not to let ourselves go with it, where we don't let ourselves be sad, where we get real busy or blow things off or kind of shut down or start obsessing about things, all the things I talked about that we do instead of letting ourselves be sad. Because being sad is kind of scary. People kind of blow that off until they are sad, and then they realize this is actually, this feels so vulnerable. When you're going through a time, like I said, that's so sad that it literally hurts. It feels almost too personal, almost too vulnerable to even share that or talk about that. And sometimes it feels like it's almost too painful to even acknowledge to ourselves that that's happening. Because that doesn't make us feel big or strong or powerful. That lets us feel really small and hurt, like a little kid crying in the corner. That's hard. And so lots of people like me got brought up, people saying, don't cry, you know, tough it out, just get busy. Like all kinds of ways to not go through that stage one where we just let ourselves acknowledge this is really, really sad. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we get scared of even going there um, because it feels so small. And um, But it's really important to understand this. 
it does feel vulnerable because it's so personal. I mean, the grief like that is so deep in us. This is not a trivial topic. This is not some tiny little thing that's happening. This is the thing that literally hurts our bones. But we can't be afraid of claiming that. And here's how it come. Sometimes people feel like, well, Glenn, if I let myself be sad, it's never going to end. It's going to be like a damn break and I'm going to be crying the rest of my life. And so it's really important to understand this. God made our emotions to be short. Here's how come. I meant it when I said earlier in the program that God exists in the eternal right now, in the present. And so God has a powerful desire for us to be present because that's the only way God can have a relationship with us. And our emotions just help us to be present. So a friend of mine calls me up and says, Hey, Glenn, I got this promotion. And I'm happy for him. I feel happy for him. And that being happy for him helped me be present to him while we're talking. And there's a power to being in the present. And But a few minutes later, somebody might call me up and say, Oh, Glenn, this hard thing is happening to me. And I'm really sad for them. And my sadness helps me be with them in that moment. I, uh, I once led an interpersonal therapy group. And somebody said, Glenn, how do I get over being angry? And I said, I don't know. How do you get over being happy? <laughs> they looked at me like I was nuts, of course. But I think, right, you have to be happy, you let yourself be happy, you tell yourself you're happy, and pretty soon you're feeling something else, right? See, our emotions were literally created by God to be relatively short experiences. So I just want people to understand, if you let yourself be sad, so you stop there blaming, you stop the obsessing, you stop the being busy, and just let yourself feel sad when you feel sad, you will cry for a minute. You might cry for a minute and a half. But I promise you, as soon as you're done crying for a minute and a half, you're going to sort of lower and then you're going to be ready to get up and go to something else now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're not going to cry again later on today because of course you will but I'm just trying to say that fear of being sad like it's going to overwhelm us like it's going to be too much but it's never going to end if I let myself be sad it's just not true we will literally be sad for a minute or two minutes or three minutes and then we're going to feel like okay I'm kind of done doing that for the moment and then it's really important to get up and literally do something else because Crying has helped us to be in the present, and in the present we're sad. And so it's important to just let ourselves be sad for reasons we'll talk more about in a second. But um, it's just important to understand that sadness will not last forever. God literally created our emotions to be relatively short experiences, so we're present to whatever's happening to us at that moment. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a little break. My guest is Dr. Glenn Pickering. You can go learn more about Glenn at drglennpickering.com. And we will uh, continue to discuss walking through grief. If you have a question for Glenn, we I know we have time for a question or two, text it over to 877-933-2484. We'll ask Glenn on your behalf. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. If you have a friend who's going through grief, you might want to go to MyFaithRadio.com, check out the Afternoons with Bill show page, and you can text or email this uh, program with Dr. Glenn Pickering right to your friend because everyone has a problem with grief, and this has been very helpful. Glenn, before we get back to uh, 
the discussion, a question came in. Is it normal to feel grief 20 years later after a divorce that I did not want? We were married for 22 years, and I was blindsided by my ex-husband wanting a divorce. It totally upset my whole life plan, and it still hurts so much. Is this normal? It isn't that I feel this every day, but many times I feel grief, sadness of my divorce. And the answer to that question is yes. And here's what I mean. Sometimes when I'm talking to a client, I'll say, it seems like you maybe still have some grief about that. They're like, oh, no, I grieved that person. I grieved that event. And I think, yeah, see, that's not how it goes. I think if I could draw a graph for you, which I would love to do, but I can't because it's the radio. So I'll just say this. What happens when we grieve is at first we're grieving as intensely as you can all the time. Gradually over time, we grieve less and less often and less and less intensely, but it never goes to zero. So I can still, all these years later after my dad's passing, I can be watching a show where somebody's dad dies unexpectedly, and I'll promise you I'll start crying harder than anybody else in that room. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when something really traumatic happens to you, you don't go back to tabula rasa. You don't go back to the person you were before that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That event happened. And um, so I just want to say to the listener, it makes sense to me that you say you don't grieve all the time. That's not overwhelming to you in the same sort of way. But there are times when you're still really sad. And I, I guess I just want to say, yes, that's true. Now, I'm hoping it's less often than it was at the beginning and less intense than it was at the beginning. But I really don't think that that ever goes to zero. I just don't think it does. I would uh, agree with you. So let's go back to these two fears that can leave us feeling mm -hmm. stuck. Uh, one we talked about of sadness, and maybe right. we can talk now about being overwhelmed. Right, and I started to talk about that a little bit, but let's finish that. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, that, mm, well, you know, when Moses asked God, well, who shall I say sent me in Exodus 3? God says, tell them I am sent you. And I think that is a powerful, powerful sentence, which is part of why I always say that God exists in the eternal right now. If we want to interact with God, we literally have to be in the present. Now, that's what I say to people, but the great thing, if I'm really sad and I let myself cry, which I get makes us feel small and vulnerable, so we don't like that feeling. But what will also happen is I will literally feel God's very, very gentle very comforting presence because those tears, letting myself be sad, puts me in that present, in that moment where God also exists and can be comforting to me and present to me and healing to me. And so I need to let myself be sad when I'm sad is my way of walking through it for sure. But I also need to be sad instead of getting too busy or pushing it off or shoving it down or obsessing because otherwise I will not be able to feel how incredibly present God is with me in the midst of that struggle and in the midst of that suffering. So I say to people, I get that it's hard to be sad, and I really get there's a part of the things you're going to be overwhelmed, like that dam breaking, like I said, and mostly they think they're going to feel really alone. But what actually happens if we let ourselves be really just sad when we're sad is two things happen. There's a peace that comes over us, which... It's interesting. You think, how can you be sad and peaceful? But see, if I'm feeling sad and I let myself be sad, see, I'm I'm one piece. Like how I'm feeling, how I'm thinking, how I'm acting are all going together. They're congruent. And I will feel a sense of peace about that. And I will also feel God's very gentle, very healing presence in that moment because God exists in that moment. And when I'm letting myself be in that moment, I can really feel God's presence. 
is why when we pray, we close our eyes, we shut out all the external things. We just want to be just present to what we're doing right that moment. That's the only way we can hear that still, small voice of God. Mm-hmm. So it's important to remember when people say, well, God, I'm scared of being sad. I'm thinking I'm going to be overwhelmed. Why would I do that? And it's important right. to remember because that's the only way we can really feel God's presence as we walk through our grief. And Glenn, I've heard you say this many times, but when... Jesus, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. The enemy's strategy is to say, you're going to be all alone. No one's going to care about you, and you're going to be, uh, uh, no one's going to care. Right. In fact, you're not only going to be alone, you are right now. That's how it feels as we walk through that process. Yeah. I totally understand. I've been there, and it's brutally painful. Like, makes your bones hurt, just like the scriptures say. Mm -hmm. But it's important to understand God really, really gets that. The people in our life who care about us really, really get that. And I have to be open to the fact that God and the other people might have care. They're there with me. They're walking with me. They're praying with me. They're guiding me. They're there for me if I'm willing to ask for help. But I just want to gently, gently underline that if I'm willing to ask for help, and here's how come. You know, we talked on the show a few times ago about the story about Bartimaeus that always makes me just sort of laugh out loud in sort of a weird way. You know, Jesus and all his disciples, they're leaving Jericho, walking towards Jerusalem. They pass blind Bartimaeus, a bigger sitting on the side of the road. He screams out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People tell him to shut up, but he keeps yelling. Finally, Jesus calls him over. So here's blind Bartimaeus standing in front of Jesus, and Jesus said, what do you want? <laughs> this is not God. I'm a blind beggar. What do you think I want? <laughs> <laughs> there shouldn't be a lot of guesswork involved in this one. But but as soon as Bartimaeus says, I would like to receive my sight, Jesus said, done. See, God won't force us to do anything. So until we ask for it, we can't receive it. Not because God doesn't want to give it to us, but because God won't force it. So we have to ask for God's gentle presence. We have to ask for God's strength. We have to ask God for the ability to see all the people in our life who care for us, who surround us, who want to do good for us. We have to be open to the fact that those things are happening and we have to be open to receiving them. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we ourselves get in the way of our experience of those things. So what layer could be peeled back today, Glenn, for somebody who wants to get a little less stuck and have a little more freedom? Great. I would ask you to quit saying anything to yourself like, it shouldn't have been that way, that's not really right, because those are all just ways of not letting my mind get around the fact that did happen. Two, once I let my mind get around that, I'm not going to feel bad, which is why we don't want to acknowledge it. I'm actually going to feel free. When Jesus said, for the truth shall set you free, this is literally true. Even a really, really hard truth, like that marriage, that life, that person, that friend, that house, that job is over, not kind of over, over. And as soon as we can let our mind be on that, there is a freedom that comes. A freedom from all the what if, should have, could have, would have, should have. Just think, this is what is. So first of all, we just need to let it in. That did happen. Even if we didn't like it. Even if we thought it was crazy and terrible and bad, which it very well might have been. And then we have to think, okay, and God wants to lead, to lead me into my new life, whatever that looks like. And I want to start paying attention to the signs that come to me about what that new normal might look like. And I need to be open to the fact that as I go through that, I'm not alone. I'm surrounded by God's love and the love of all the people who care for me and who want to take care of me. So as we close up, we just have about a minute left. I, I know that 
I can say with confidence, we will experience God's comforting presence. Right. We just have to be ready to right. receive it. Yep. And so God's like, I get it, Glenn. You're feeling scared. You're feeling alone. You think you have to do this by yourself. But I just want to hear, hear these words. I am. Period. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. And I always will be. Yeah. That is... Um, the most powerful, lovely thought. We can put our heads on our pillows tonight and realize that is a truth that belongs to us and right. we can um, own it and embrace it and live it. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as always, Glenn, it's great having you on and thank you so much for uh, talking about a difficult topic. I think overall, the show today, we talked on some difficult topics and uh, I appreciate uh, the sensitivity you have towards this, and I know you have been an encouragement to many. If you, you want to learn more about Glenn, you can go to drglennpickering.com. He's got a lovely offer about midway down the front page of his website where you can get 20 minutes on the phone with him, and there's no strings attached. It's free, and you can uh, have a 20-minute conversation with him. And I promise you'll learn a lot in 20 minutes. So that's something available on his website. Glenn, thanks so much once again for being with me. Oh, thanks for having me. I love being on this show. Thank you so much. That is all the show we have for today. I've loved being with you. Thank you again for spending time with me. If you missed any of the show, you can always head over to MyFaithRadio.com and check out the podcast. And have a great night, everyone, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.